Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. How many people remember their wedding day? Man, you, if you're a married man, you better raise your hand fast. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, guys. I should have given you a heads up on that one. You remember your wedding day. There was excitement. There was nerves. There was that mixture of everything together. Excited, nervous, happy, crying. It was crazy. By the way, if, who, was anybody like... A lot of you weren't here for the wedding, and that's understandable, but I need to let you know something that most of you probably didn't know. Pastor Carlo is a little bit of a crier. (laughs) I know, the girls are like, oh, he wept through the whole thing. It was like that emotional, like, that's cool and totally enjoyable at the same time. (laughs) But it was, they were honestly, like Pastor Jason uh, married them, Jason Small, and he was saying many times, like, you just saw the love between them. On our wedding day, it was awesome. I woke up, it was, I forget what time our wedding started at, but that's okay. Um, I do remember the date, but in the morning, because we had such a long window, I think we started our wedding at 3.30. See, yes. And because we had so much time, you have to realize, ladies, as you wake up and you have to do your hair and your makeup, it doesn't get any better than this. This is just what it is. <laughs> I had a little bit of hair at that time, so I had to do that. But for that long window of time, what does a guy do? So we went golfing. (laughs) After that stress was over, I thought the wedding would be fine. And so as we get through the day, there's nerves, there's excitement. And as you get to the wedding, you, one thing, you're excited, you're waiting for everything, making sure all the final details are in place that nobody else is going to notice, but you're sweating over it. And then finally, somebody comes and tells you, this statement. She's arrived. You're just excited she showed up. (laughs) And then the nerves hit and everything's getting going, but you're excited. And here's, as your day goes through, you realize that as the ceremony goes on, you're asked this question, you ask all these questions, and then the final statement, if you will, say I do. I do. And then the bride is asked all these wonderful things, and it says, if you will, say I do. Yes. (laughs) And as this happens, you make this understanding that on the day you got married, you made a choice. You made a choice. I chose... Melissa that day. She chose me that day. And then every day after that, you wake up and you love your choice. For me, it's been easy. For Melissa, I'm sure there's been days it's been challenging. (laughs) But you love your choice. And this is the great thing about the Lord. Here's the interesting thing about Jesus. 
In John 15, 16, here's what he says to us. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Do you know this morning that Jesus Christ chose you? He chose you. Here's the neat thing. Because he chose you, you don't have to try to earn his love. Every day, as challenging as it might be for him, which I don't think is challenging, he chooses to love you. He chooses to love me. Every day. And I don't know about you, but I know who I am. I know who I am on some days, and I'm like, Lord, how do you still choose to love me? And he loves you. He chooses every day to love you. We're actually going to kind of read through John 15 a little bit, going backwards. We're going to start at 16, and we're going to start reading verses in chunks, going backwards. Because sometimes as we read through it, we hear things, and then we're like, well, that's cool, but we keep reading, not realizing that the verses before actually explain the verses that you're reading. So we're actually going to read it backwards. John 15, 14, and 15 says this, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I Learn from the fa- my father, I have made known to you. Because he loves us, he tells us what the father's heart is. The closer we get to the Lord, the more we understand the Lord, the better relationship we have with him, the more we know his will because we're closer. See, that's why sometimes we get the scriptures mixed up when it says, anything you ask for according to my will will be done. See, we pray for things. We're trying to figure out, God, why are these prayers not being answered? But sometimes it's not actually according to his will. As Pastor Melissa shared, and as we just walked through with a couple of words being spoken, sometimes the fire that you're in, that you're praying to get out of your life, is actually there. So you cry out to God and say, I need you. Because I don't know about you, but in the easy times in my life, it's kind of easy to walk on my own. And then when difficulty comes, I remember, oh yeah, I can't do this without Jesus. So I actually get closer to the Lord in trials. It's not fun because he likes bringing me close. But in the easy times of our lives, if we could do life on our own, how many people know you would do it on your own? You know, men in the room, you know that you are not asking for directions until you are in a sketchy part of town realizing you're lost. As men, a lot of times we're not picking up the phone to call somebody for some help on a home reno job, big or small, until we realize if I don't get some help, my house is without water or without power. I need help. Jesus says we are his friends. He calls us friends. Do you understand if you're here this morning, he calls you friend because he actually wants to have a friendship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be connected 
to you. We get tied up in verse 14 where it says, you are my friends if you do what I command. And when we see that, we begin to think of all the commandments. We begin to think all of the things we are not supposed to do. But do you realize in verse 12, he actually tells us what his command is? My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life. For one's friend. See, verse 12, the command is simple. Love each other. Love each other. There's no greater love than to lay down your life for somebody else. And when we think of laying down our lives, we think of dying. And yes, that is an aspect of it. But how many people know laying down your life isn't just, I'm going to die for you. Laying down your life means you're going to watch a different show than the hockey game because... Your spouse wants to. It means you might go to a different restaurant. You might go on a walk instead of sitting at home. Laying down your life is laying down your choices and what you might want to do for somebody else. Laying down your life could mean you have a relaxing day planned and somebody calls you and says, I just need to talk. And you go, yes, let's go for coffee. Laying down your life doesn't just mean the big, let's just die for people. Laying down your life means laying down choices. Laying down your free will and saying, I will set this aside to help you because this is what God has asked us to do. Yes, there's other things that we're not supposed to do and that will allow us to have better lives. But here, Jesus says, my command is this, that you love one another, then if you do what I command. So many of us are worried about what we're not supposed to do, we actually forget what we're supposed to do. You're so worried about what you don't do in your house, make sure you don't do something, that you're not walking across your driveway to love your neighbor as God has asked you to do. I think we actually mess up serving God more by not doing what we're supposed to do than doing what we're not supposed to do. I think we miss out on opportunities because we're so nervous of messing up. And Well, Chad, where's the line between love and approval? If, I, if I'm friends with this person, maybe I'm approving their lifestyle. Read where Jesus went. If you're worried about that, you would probably be one of the ones looking at where Jesus was going, oh, I don't know about that guy. Now, I'll clarify. Make sure you're influencing them and they are not influencing you. Teenagers, as I speak this way, you have to be aware of where you are in your walk with God. You cannot step into a territory where you don't have the ability to say no. Because then you will be influenced and it will draw you away. But if you have the strength to influence others, we all have this authority. If you can influence others, then go and influence be that light that they never see. Because Jesus says, love, love. My command is love each other as I have loved you. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he responded, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. We forget 
to love. We forget to love. Does it really matter how else we live our lives if we don't love people? Does it really matter what we do if we do not love? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, he writes in verse 1, Paul explained that if we don't have love, that we're just a resounding gong. We are a clanging cymbal. We are nothing and we gain nothing without love. In the church, we strive for so many things. In the world, we strive for possessions. And we know as believers, we shouldn't go after those things. But one of the things we strive for is we strive for godly things and we believe they're good. And don't get me wrong, spiritual gifts are good. We're going to do a whole summer series on all the spiritual gifts this summer. We believe in the spiritual gifts. But Paul warns us as he's writing about them. If you don't have love, you have nothing. What is the purpose of all the spiritual gifts if you don't have love? If you don't have love, they're pointless. I think it's interesting because Paul warns, he says, if, you, if I speak in tongues of men or angels, if I prophesy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast. And then Paul warns that we need love more than anything else. Because we can have all these things. But I don't know about you, but I want to love into people's lives. I don't want to be a sounding gong, a crashing cymbal. Can you imagine if every time I went to speak right now, Sam was up here just crashing a cymbal. Every time I opened my mouth, just crashing a cymbal. You might get more out of it, but I hope not. But all of a sudden, it's just all the time, and you're just like, you would be like, that is so annoying. Think of your neighbors. Do you love them? Or do you just preach to them? Because here's the neat thing about Jesus. If they haven't accepted Jesus Christ, they actually don't have to do anything in this book. You do. And so if you've accepted Jesus, you're supposed to do what's in this book. That doesn't mean you tell them what to do, because let's be honest, we have a hard time. And we have the Holy Spirit to help us. But the one thing this book tells us to do is to love them. To love them. Why don't we try that? Why don't we try loving people? It's hard to love people. That's why I truly believe one of the best words of advice that somebody gave me, his name was Dave Smith, he worked at Lakeshore Camp, he was, I think he was Dave, he was like 73 when he told me this. As Melissa and I were about to get married, Dave pulled me aside, he goes, Chad, here's, here's my advice for you. And I already shared it with you. He goes, you choose your love, and then every day, you love your choice. So every day you need to wake up and choose to love your neighbors. Because no matter what they're like, no matter how much you might try to complain about them, do you know that you're there because Jesus loves them and he needs to work through you to get to them? What about that coworker? Yeah, that one. 
You know that one. You're there to be the seed that Jesus plants into their life. You're the only Jesus that they see, and we're supposed to love them. We're supposed to love them. Because Jesus chose you to love them. See, the interesting thing is, as we seek after things, if we forget to love, Jesus himself warns us in verse 21 of chapter 7 of Matthew, says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoer. I don't know about you, this passage somewhat, in a good way, scares me. It holds me accountable that as God stretches me and uses me in different spiritual gifts to always remember that if I do not have a relationship with the Lord, this will be me. Because I want to speak into people's lives. I want to drive out demons. I want to perform many miracles. And depending on the translation, it says, raise people from the dead. I want to see these things happen. And Lord Jesus, if you want to use me, use me. But if I don't remember that it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ, then this will be me. We need to be as David, a man after God's own heart, not after God's own hand. David, none of us understand, if you're you're like Chad, I can't get past my past, understand who David is. When you read the scriptures, how does the scriptures explain David? A man after God's own heart. You don't hear the scriptures say, David, the adulterous murderer. Which was who he was. But he repented and God empowered him. And he is known as a man after God's own heart because of his love. We are to love and Jesus loves us. So how do we get to know him more? It's a beautiful thing. We remain. John 15 verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and remained in his love. I have told you this so that you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Your joy that you're looking for is in the Lord. And we just remain in him. We remain in his love. We stay close to him. We stay in a relationship with him. We, commit, we keep his commands and love others. And if we remain in his love, that love flows through us. And that's where the joy of the Lord is. It's interesting in these, just these two verses, in 9 and 10, remain in his love is said three times. Do you think Jesus is trying to get something across to us? Remain in his love. And when you're full of his love, it just pours out of you. Because I don't know about you, but when I remember that Jesus chose me and that he loves me, and I remember who I am without Jesus, it helps me love my neighbors who don't have Jesus. 
His love is always with us. And 1 Corinthians tells us in verse 13, we, many of us know this, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is how we love others. You're trying to figure out, how do I love my neighbor? Just read this every morning. Read it every morning. You're about to go out and see your neighbor for something. Read through this. So that way, when you go to talk to your neighbor, are you patient with them? Are you kind? You don't envy what they have. You don't boast about stuff. You're not proud. You honor them, and you honor others as you speak to them. You're not self-seeking. You're not trying to get ahead of them. You're not easily angered. And you don't keep record of wrong. Hey, remember last week you didn't know it's gone. No record of wrongs. We do not delight when something bad happens. We rejoice when the truth is out. We protect, we trust, we hope, and we persevere. John 15, 11 says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I don't know about you this morning, but if you're seeking joy in your life, you need to read through John 15 so that you understand how much he loves you. It says just before that, verse 11, as you read those first two verses before it, as we talked about, remain in his love, remain in his love, remain in his love. You stay connected with his love, and the joy of the Lord will be in you. And I don't know about you, but I really enjoy my life when I'm joyful than when I'm miserable. And as Christians, sometimes for our neighbors, as I've said it before, if you're happy and you know it, you just need to tell your face. You just need to smile. You never know what a smile will do for somebody's life. I've heard too many stories of people asking God who don't believe in the Lord, just saying, God, if you're real, do something. If you're real, do this. And they say something strange. And you never know what's going to happen by you just simply obeying the Lord and walking by a stranger and feeling the urge... I need to smile at this person and smiling at them. Because maybe they just finished praying, Lord, let somebody smile at me so I know that you actually smile at me. And two seconds later, you look at them and don't know them and just... And you see them shocked in awe. Because today, it's not common. We walk with our heads down, staring at devices. But ask the Lord, Lord, how can I share your joy? Fill me with your love. So I can share it with others. Because you don't need to earn Jesus' love. He gives it to you. Because the promise of God in verse 16 was, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. This morning, Jesus just wants you to remain in him. Because he's chosen you. So that you can love on him and love on others. And through you, he can bring joy to other people's lives because of the joy that's in you. And so if you need more of God's joy this morning, just remain in him.
this afternoon, spend time with him. Spend time in his word. Spend time just in quiet. No worship music. No sounds. And just sit quietly and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. And listen to what he tells you. Because he's chosen you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your love. We thank you, Jesus, for your presence. We thank you, Father, that you love us, that you've chosen us. And so, Holy Spirit, this morning, we just want to honor you and just soak in your presence and allow you to speak to us and through us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 